Thank you, thank you for that awesome, <laughs> for that awesome introduction. I am so excited to be with you all. You guys can take a seat. Oh man, I'm excited, I'm excited. We're going to be talking about the ultimate hot girl in the Bible tonight. But before we talk about her, I just want to pray really fast. God, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for being who you are. I pray for the word tonight that's going to come out of every single one of our mouths, God. I pray for every single person that's on the sound of, that's under the sound of my voice, God. I pray that you bless them. I pray that you keep them. And I pray that this word is just a seed into the, the rest of their lives with you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So like I said, we're going to be talking about the ultimate hot girl. Her name is Mary Magdalene. And if you don't know her, she's actually someone who walked alongside Jesus. She knew, she was there, she witnessed, and she accounted for his resurrection. She accounted for his crucifixion. She even helped him build his ministry. And aside from me and the two other girls that are going to come right after me, we're really just going to dive deep into who she is. So I pray that you just come alongside us and let this be a conversation, not only between me and you, but you, me, and God. Um, and yeah, how many of us like going to concerts? That's right. How many of us have ever gotten VIP tickets to a concert? If you've ever gotten VIP, to, VIP tickets to a concert, then you know that you get excited. If you're like me, I get my hair done, I get my nails done, I put on the best fit. And even if you're a guy, you probably get your best fit too. And the thing is, we set ourselves up for an encounter with that artist. We set ourselves up to see this artist and get ready. If you want to see your favorite artist, you're not going to show up to the wrong venue. You're not going to show up to the Tampa venue knowing you got to be at the Amway. So we set ourselves up for this encounter. And I believe that Mary's story began with an encounter. Her story began with an encounter with Jesus. Just like us, she was someone who was looking for something more. She was someone who was looking for something deep inside her that could change her. And the first time that she meets with Jesus, she was probably just a regular woman. But if you didn't know, she was possessed with seven demons. If you didn't know, she was possessed by all these things that were too heavy for the world. And the passage we're about to read in Luke 8, and it's going to be right behind me, it's basically going to say how she started with Jesus, what happens after she's delivered, and where her calling with Jesus takes her. So Luke 8, verses 1 and 2 states, Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Also some woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. So this woman, not only did she have a bunch of evil spirits, she also had infirmities. Which means physically and mentally she was weak. So she had evil spirits and she physically and mentally couldn't move. So can you imagine that? To know that you physically and mentally can't move and that you meet your Savior and he tells you, I'm going to heal you, but then you have to follow me. Can you think about her obedience? I believe that she was at the right place and at the right time. I believe that she chose to see him. She saw him. She encountered him and then she chose to follow him. Which brings me to my first point and kind of what this thing and this talk is all about. If there's an encounter and there's no Jesus, the heart never changes. If there's an encounter 
and there's no Jesus, the heart never changes. This was the moment she couldn't walk away from. This was the moment that in spite of what her circumstance looked like, she couldn't, stay, she couldn't go away. And I believe that all of our lives are made up of moments. All of our lives are made up of moments that change the course of our life. It could have been maybe you lost a family member. It could have been maybe you didn't see a heartbreak coming. It could have been maybe the rejection that you didn't see coming and that changed your life. And our lives don't just have to be made up of bad moments. It could be made up of good moments. Maybe you got married. I don't know what that is, but I hope one day I get to experience it. Or maybe you fell in love or you experienced love for the first time. Or even yet, you worked so hard for a degree and just the thought of you walking across that stage changed your life. See, an encounter with God will change the course of your life. Ask yourself this question. Are you positioned for an encounter with God? Are you positioned for God to move so greatly, even if it causes you everything? Are you positioned for, for God to move in a way that's so big that you know you have to turn around and go towards him? She followed God knowing that she was going to be looked at differently. She followed God knowing she was going to be mocked at. She followed God knowing she was going to be looked at differently. But she did it anyway. Why? Because it's difficult to walk away from a God that gives us an encounter. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, okay, you're talking all this. You're talking all that. I've never had an encounter with God. So how do I set myself up for one? Jeremiah 29:13 says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Somebody need to hear it again. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. You see, an encounter works both ways. It's not just you and it's not just God. It's you and God. And God wants to start with you. So how available are you to seek God? How available are you for God to give you an encounter? How willing are you to reach after God's heart? Or do you really just sit there and ask God, where are you? I believe God set her, I believe Mary set herself up for that encounter. She was so desperate for a change. She allowed God to come in and grace her, which brings me to my next idea. An encounter with God happens when you want it with all your heart. How bad do you want it? Have you ever wanted something with all your heart? Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, okay, God, I really, really want this thing. And if you give me this thing, I'll change. God, I really, really want you to do this. And if you give me this thing, I'll move the other way. Uh, there's this relationship I really want. So if I get it, I'll pray more. Or there's this car, there's this job I really want. If you give it to me, I'll read your word more. I believe in the process of that, we start making promises to God we can't keep. We start telling God things that we can't do because we're too afraid of the change that we have to make. Mary was the complete opposite. She didn't have the title, but she had the willingness. She wasn't called a disciple. People didn't call her a disciple of Jesus, but she did it anyway. Do you have the willingness to follow God even if it costs you everything? I believe Mary was all in. The thing was is that she showed up and she kept showing up. She knew who was on her side, and she knew who was gonna be for the rest of her life on her side. And that encounter led to how firm she was in Jesus. So my question to you is, 
how firmly are you holding on to Jesus? How firmly are you holding on to the type of God he is? I have this friend, and I'll close with this. She lived in Florida her whole life. Um, She's laughing because she knows her. Um, She lived in Florida her whole life. (laughs) And her friends, or her family, sorry, they like to go on vacations. They enjoy, like, they're always on vacation. And she told me when she was about nine, um, there was a hurricane, and they happened to be in a hotel on vacation. And she remembers being outside, and she remembers that the storm came in, and it got cloudy, and kind of got winded up, and she didn't really know what to do. Her parents weren't outside. Her sisters weren't outside. Um, so she told me she saw this pole, and um, she decided to grab onto the pole because she knew that she couldn't get anywhere. She knew that she couldn't go anywhere. So she held on to it really, really really, 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 like, hard to make sure she wouldn't go anywhere. And that's what held her through that storm. So my question to you is, what does your storm look like? And how firm are you holding on to Jesus in that storm? I know Mary held on to Jesus firmly because of her encounter with Jesus. I knew she held on firmly because of how she acted after that encounter which led to her obedience and her faithfulness. So I encourage you to ask yourself these questions. How firmly am I holding on to God? What does my encounter with God look like? And what am I doing for God to continue, for God and I to continue to have a relationship? But thank you guys and God bless you guys. speaker uh she's coming all the way from Mount Vernon <laughs> by foot no I mean this is it's, we really got a lot for you tonight um and, and it's just the beginning thank you Natasha up next I'm gonna invite Eva Nice up to come awesome. come on let's go can you guys give it up for Natasha one more time All right, y'all can be seated. If you're wondering if I'm nervous, yes, because I just accidentally closed my notes. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we're going to continue talking about Mary Magdalene, like Natashka said. After her initial encounter with Jesus, we find her again in Matthew 27. And it is a long passage, so follow along on the screen because I'm probably going to run out of breath a few times. All right, so Matthew 27, we're starting at verse 55. And many women were watching from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee while caring for him. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Verse 59, and Joseph took the body of Jesus and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own tomb, which he had cut out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. 
Now after the Sabbath, we're in chapter 28 now, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. Verse five, and the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. And behold, on their way, Jesus met them and said, rejoice. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go bring word to my brothers to leave for Galilee and there they will see me. Amen. So what did we just read? Mary was the first woman mentioned at the crucifixion. Mary was the first woman mentioned at the tomb. Mary was the first woman mentioned when the angel said, Jesus has risen. Mary was the first woman who saw Jesus after he resurrected. And Mary was the first person sent by Jesus to share the good news. That thing we call the gospel, she was the first person to be told to share it. Talk about a hot girl, y'all. That's a lot. So let's go back to Matthew 28, verse 1. It says, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. If you don't know what the Sabbath is, the Sabbath is a day of rest. It's one of those Ten Commandments that Moses got from God to give to the people of Israel. And it's a commandment. It's not just a suggestion. When we read, thou shall not murder, thou shall not steal, thou shall obey the Sabbath. It's a commandment. So when Jesus died, he died on a Friday. The following day was going to be Sabbath. Now Mary had a decision. Was she going to obey the Sabbath and not go visit the tomb of Jesus the day after he died? Or was she going to disobey that commandment so she could go see her master? If it was me, I would have gone to the tomb. Like, God just died. You're telling me the man I've been following since my encounter, like Natasha said, I've been following him day in, day out. He just died, and you want me to sit at home and do nothing because it's the Sabbath? What even is the Sabbath? Who cares? I definitely would have gone see, to see Jesus. And I'm sure the devil was sitting on her shoulder saying, who cares? He's dead. Go anoint him. Just take two days off next week. Who cares? Just move it back. So tonight I'm sharing about the obedience of Mary Magdalene. And yeah, her obedience started when she had an encounter, but her obedience continues when she decides to obey the Sabbath. The enemy's weapon against obedience is confusion. If he can't convince you, he'll at least try to confuse you or delay your obedience just enough. But Mary teaches us that obedience can't wait. And that leads me to my first point. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Ouch. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And y'all, this is so hard to share. I'm telling you all the hard stuff. But this is part of the Bible, right? So what if... When God asked Noah to build the ark, Noah said, you right, God, I got you. 
give me a few months. I'm going to go on vacation since the world's ending or whatever. And then I'll start building the ark. Y'all, the rain would have started. This man would have had a canoe, a sailboat. Those animals were not going to fit on that boat. But Noah started when God told him. Noah was obedient. What if when Jesus told the disciples to follow him, they said, well, man, it's my first time meeting you. I should probably ask around about you first. I'll catch up with you later, dog. But no, they immediately dropped everything and followed Jesus. The response of the disciples was an act of obedience. Jesus asked us to act in obedience, not only confess in faith. We have to act in obedience, not only confess in faith. Faith is important, yeah. When we say the salvation prayer, when we get baptized, we're confessing. But what are those things if they're not followed by obedience? When Jesus said, follow me, they immediately followed. If you're taking notes, you probably want to write this one down. If you write anything down, it's this one right here. Confession tells God that you know he is God. Obedience shows God that he is your God. Oh, I sure will. Confession tells God that you know he's God. Obedience shows God that he's your God. There's this book I love to read. I read it again and again. And if you call yourself a Christian, you should probably read it. It's called The Cost of Discipleship, and it's by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And in that book, he says, For faith is only real when there is obedience, never without it. And faith only becomes faith in the act of obedience. The Cost of Discipleship. Y'all, the sales are about to go up. Read that book. It's my favorite book, The Cost of Discipleship. So why is it that we don't obey sometimes or that we decide to obey later and we push it back? Obviously, obedience is important, and we know obedience is important, so why don't we just obey? Well, disobedience is rooted in pride. Disobedience is rooted in pride. When you don't obey God, you're saying, God, I know you told me this, but listen, I'm only 22, so I think I know more than however old you are. I think I know more than what you have for me. So just this time, I'm not going to do what you say. I'm not going to do it right away. Disobedience is rooted in pride. It doesn't always make sense to obey. It definitely didn't make sense for Mary to obey the Sabbath, but she obeyed anyways. So why is it so important that Mary obeyed the Sabbath? Why am I continuing on about this one point? Well, let's go back to the passage. Matthew 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Verse 5, and the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. If Mary would have disobeyed the Sabbath, if Mary would have decided to obey later, she would have shown up to the tomb on Saturday instead of Sunday, and Jesus would have been in that tomb, that stone would have been in place, and she wouldn't have witnessed the miracle of the resurrection. Because it happened on Sunday. She would have been there on Saturday. All right, how am I going to move the stone? Let me go anoint the body of Jesus. But she obeyed the Sabbath, and she got there right when she needed to. 
And that leads me to my second point. Obedience leads to revelation. Obedience leads to revelation. Who was at the crucifixion? Not the disciples. Mary was. Who was there when they put Jesus in the tomb? Mary. Who was there when the angel appeared and said Jesus had resurrected? Mary. I don't see, I don't see the men. Where are the 12? <laughs> Obedience to God will position you for a revelation. Obedience to God will position you for a revelation. Don't expect to receive revelation from God if he can't expect to receive obedience from you. I'm sorry, boo-boo. It don't work that way. God needs to know that you're going to obey for him to reveal things to you. Have any of you ever had a secret? And don't lie, y'all. We're in the house of the Lord. I bet you have a secret right now. So I've had plenty of secrets, and I don't know about you guys, I don't go just telling my secrets. They're secrets for a reason. You go to people who are trustworthy, people who maybe you've told secrets before, and you're like, all right, they kept that one. I can probably trust them with this one. What happens if you find out that the person you've been telling your secrets to is telling someone else? I don't know about y'all. Snip, snip, you're not hearing nothing from me. <laughs> If God can't trust you to obey, if you break that obedience and that trust with God, he's going to stop telling you the things he wants to tell you. If God is going to keep telling you these things, if he's going to keep revealing to you, he needs to know that you're going to be consistent in your obedience. Mary's obedience led to revelation, not just because she was obedient, obedient once, but because she continued to be obedient. And this is my final point, my third point. Blessing follows obedience. The greatest miracle to ever happen was first witnessed by Mary Magdalene. And it happened because of her obedience. Because she was there in Jesus' last moments, God placed her there in his very first moments after he resurrected. In the Bible, in Ephesians 6, we see, children, obey your parents. This is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Deuteronomy 28 says, if you fully obey the Lord and carefully follow all of his commandments, the Lord will set you high above all the nations and all these blessings will come to you if you obey. All throughout scriptures, we read stories about blessing following obedience Mary Magdalene is who we're talking about tonight, but she's just one of the many who received blessing after obeying. So to recap, delayed obedience is disobedience. Obedience leads to revelation and blessing follows obedience. Thank you. Joe just hit a little different, didn't it? My gosh. I'm about to tattoo obedience on my back. <laughs> Amen. We got we got one more speaker tonight. And um, right after this, we're going to do an altar call. We'll do a little bit more worship. Uh, are you taking notes tonight? Are you leaving with some word? Come on. Uh, our last and final hot girl summer speaker is the very one and only pregnant with a baby, Crystal Ruiz. <laughs> 
Hey guys, you guys can take a seat. <laughs> I'm so excited, so honored to be here with you guys today. So honored to share the platform with these two amazing women who absolutely just killed it. Am I right? Am I right? It's a hot girl summer. <laughs> so they brought such amazing messages that that talked about Mary Magdalene and her encounter with Christ. And even he's talked about Mary Magdalene and her obedience to Christ and Right now, I want to talk to you guys about Mary Magdalene and her faithfulness to Christ. Um, I also want to say thank you to Pastor John for allowing me to be here. He's great. <laughs> so we're going to open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. And it says, soon afterward, Jesus began a ministry tour throughout the country, visiting cities and villages to announce the wonderful news of God's kingdom. His 12 disciples traveled with him, as did a number of women who had been healed of many illnesses and set free from demonic power. One of the women was Mary, who was from the village of Magdala, from whom Jesus had cast out seven demons. Among the women were Susanna and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, who managed King Herod's household, and many other women who supported Jesus' ministry from their own personal finances also traveled with him. God, would you move right now? Lord, would you speak through me? God, would you use me as your microphone? And may you increase, Lord, as I decrease Jesus, so that your word would be preached, my, my Lord, right now, God. It's all about you. Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I don't know about you guys, but nothing makes me ugly cry more <laughs> than those videos of those really old couples that have been together for like just decades, like so many years, and you're like, wow, their love lasted this long, like that's what I want, and I think it makes me really emotional because, you know, I want that. I, I pray God gives me and my husband um, the years to grow old together and to be best friends forever and to just stay in love and, and you know, that's just so beautiful, right? Like, I just, I get so emotional watching those videos. They're so cute. <laughs> but how many of you guys know that it wasn't all butterflies and rainbows for them to get there to that point in their marriage? They didn't just have this easy path to years and years of, of marriage and this beautiful reward. They had opposition. There were seasons and moments in, in their marriage where they faced opposition, but you can see with their harvest that they were faithful to each other, that they were faithful despite those moments of opposition. And my first point tonight is, I don't think you can say that you love and want something that you aren't faithful to. Faithfulness is the evidence of your affection and devotion. When you're faithful to something, I can tell that you really love it. I don't need you to tell me, oh, I love, you know, playing the guitar. If I see you playing it every single day and you're taking lessons, you know, every day, I can tell that you love it. I can tell that you desire to, to be devoted to it. And when we look at the scriptures, we can see very clearly that Mary was devoted to Jesus and his ministry. Not only did she give of her life, but she gave of her finances. And she was a part of the few, like, um, even he's mentioned, that witnessed his crucifixion and his burial. And she was the first person to witness his resurrection. So this girl was in it. She was all in. She was faithful to Christ. She was devoted. Yeah, she really was. And, and 
you can, you can tell her faithfulness because she was faithful despite opposition. How do I know that she faced opposition? Well, when you think about Mary Magdalene, the first thing that probably comes to your mind if you've been in church for a while is, oh yeah, Mary Magdalene, the girl that was a prostitute in the Bible. That's what she's known as. She's known as her sin when it's not even biblically correct that she was a prostitute. <laughs> um, she's seen in this negative light. And why is she seen that way? Well, women for many years were seen as inferior to men and even more susceptible to sin than men. And so it was easy for them to just put on this label on her to make her seem less important. But if she's seen that way now, and when we look and we think about Mary Magdalene, we see her this way, I can only imagine the opposition that she faced while she was here on earth and she was following Jesus. I mean, she, not only was she a woman, but she had seven demons casted out of her. <laughs> so people were like, who is this girl? Girl, I know you. you the girl that has seven demons. Now you're trying to follow Jesus? She was probably the chiefsman of the town. <laughs> Yet, Mary was faithful to Jesus. In every aspect of her life, she didn't allow people's assumptions about her and their lack of acknowledgement of her deter her from her faithfulness. She was like, Man, if you knew what Jesus did for me, then you wouldn't have these assumptions about me. She understood something so important, something so freeing, that if we could catch this, it would free us from so much and it would allow us to be faithful. She understood that no matter what man said, her reward wasn't in man. Her reward was in the, the God of the universe, the one who saved her and delivered her. She knew that even though man didn't see her, God saw her, God honored her, and God was on her side. And so following Jesus, it's, not, it's usually not an easy road. And there's going to be moments, have, maybe you've gone through them already, and may, maybe you haven't, but I'm going to tell you now, you're probably going to go through some moments of opposition because it's just, it's just what it is when you're faithful to something and you give your all, you know? But let Mary be an example to you of what it means to be faithful at all times, even when you're treated unfairly. She understood that the fear of God was more important than the fear of man. Which brings me to my next point. You can, st you can stay faithful to someone or something when it matters to you more than what people think of it. So imagine, you know, I let somebody, somebody's assumption of our, me and my husband's marriage cause us to get a divorce. Like, oh, this person said our marriage is a joke, so I guess it is. Uh, bye. Like, <laughs> we would never, you know, we would never be able to show each other our faithfulness to each other. Or imagine doctors and surgeons, these people who take years and years to get to where they are to be able to save us, to save our lives. Um, imagine they allowed people's assumptions of them to tear them. Imagine they let people who, who were like, you're really going to devote your whole life to this thing, to this career. You're really going to go to school for 10 plus years. Imagine they were like, yeah, I think you're right. I don't, I don't think I should do this. We wouldn't have any doctors or surgeons and we would all die if something were to happen to us. <laughs> or imagine, or like you wouldn't be here if, if women didn't decide to spend nine months of hardship. <laughs> And, and carry you, and then hours of labor and birth you. <laughs> You're here because of your mom's faithfulness. 
Amen. Let me let you know something. Nothing brews a higher reward than faithfulness. Though that old couple that's been together for years, what a reward. How beautiful is that? Those doctors, those surgeons, when they get to walk down the aisle, or not the aisle, but you know, the stage. (laughs) That's marriage. (laughs) But the stage and, you know, say like, you know, I did this. Imagine that feeling. Or even the day that I give birth, like, I just can't imagine, like, how I'm going to feel when I get to finally hold her in my arms. Faithfulness brews the highest reward. And Mary Magdalene, she understood that, even though she was talked about, even though she was undermined, even though people made these, you know, these false assumptions about her. And maybe you're in here, and you can relate to Mary. I know I can. I know I have. Plenty of times, as a woman, I've felt undervalued. I felt overlooked. You know, people have even made false assumptions about me so many times. Even the whole promiscuous woman thing, yeah, I got that, even though I saved myself for marriage, let's go. <laughs> um, people, people just are gonna talk about you. People are gonna gossip about you. And maybe, maybe you've been there, maybe you've felt that. And it's like, man, like I'm giving my all to God. I'm being faithful and this is how people see me. Maybe you've, you have a past. Maybe you come from... Um, you know, a past where you were one type of person and now God has saved you and delivered you and you're an entirely new creation and people are still looking at you like you're that person before and they can't see past your past and they're like, you're a joke. And you're like, man, like God really saved me. He changed me and this is how you still see me? Or maybe you've been faithful to God for years. Like you've grown up in this thing and, and you've given so much to the ministry and it's been years and someone who walks in five minutes in, they get the position or the title that you thought God promised you. And you're like, man, but I've been faithful for years. Wherever you are on the spectrum, I challenge you to carry the perspective that Mary had. She understood that what was most important was being faithful to the God who delivered her, the one who saw her. And she didn't care what people said about her. She didn't care about the opposition that she would face because she understood that faithfulness brewed the highest reward. She lived a life that was a perfect response to grace, a life of gratitude. She was saved from the hell of her past and of her future. And so she said, man, because of this grace that you've given me, God, I'm gonna be grateful and my gratitude It's going to show in my sacrifice, in my faithfulness. So if you're in here and you've never experienced that grace, that encounter that Tata was talking about, and the love of the Father that absolutely marks you forever, I just pray that, that tonight's that night that you would experience that, that God would meet you right here, right where you're at, because Man, let me tell you, there is nothing more amazing than encountering Christ, being obedient to him, and being faithful to him. Amen.